0: There's a lot that can be said, uh, but I think that uh, it is important that we remember uh, tonight, this is just part of a broader series, I can't address everything tonight, Uh, I cannot be comprehensive about everything that needs to be said, and so if you will extend me grace, that would be very, very important. And also, you are free at at any point uh, along the way to absolutely disagree with me, okay? I'm not trying to cram stuff down your throat. What I'm trying to do here tonight is to show you what the Bible says. And you are free to take it or leave it. Uh, that's really one of the beautiful things about RUF. We're trying to give you a picture of what the Scriptures say to let you deal with that. And uh, you're not going to make me mad if you disagree with me. But I think, that, uh, I think tonight we're going to see a really, really beautiful picture in some ways of, of uh, what it looks like to, uh, to be a woman. Let me give you guys uh, a couple of things to get us started here. Uh, the narrative for women in history has not always been that good. And I don't think you have to be a historian to know that. Uh, and, but in light of that, I want to take you guys to a, uh, a quote that comes from the first century B.C. Um, so this is right around the time when a lot of, uh, about maybe a few, about a hundred years or so before the Bible was written, but it was part of the Greek Rome, Roman, Roman world. And there is a story about a, uh, a man, a, a politician, who was away from his family in the city of uh, Alexandria. And he's writing back to his Pregnant wife, and uh, this is what he has to say to her in his letter. So, uh, title of sermon is called "Girl." So here we go. Um, uh, here we go. Listen to what listen to what this politician writes. He writes this to his wife. Know that I'm still in Alexandria, and I ask and beg you to take good care of our baby son, who is who she thinks. He thinks she's he thinks she's holding. They didn't have sonograms back there, in case you didn't know. And as soon as I receive payment, I shall send it up to you. And listen what he says: If you are delivered, if you deliver before I come home, and if it's a boy, keep it. But if it's a girl, discard it. Literally throw it out. Okay, just get rid of it. That's how. That's that's uh, two thousand years ago. That's what we would have thought about. Uh, how women were today, and it's actually, uh, this is, you see this in other parts of our world in this very day and age as well. So no, this is going on. But that's not it. Um, also, in, uh, as it relates to married life itself, there was another quote from, if you guys like histo- history, there's a politician, a Roman politician, his name was Plutarch, and he writes this. Listen to what he writes. So this is all happening right around the time when the New Testament is being formed, but listen to what gets written. Hang with me on this, because it might sound a little wordy, and I'll explain it as we go. He writes, if therefore is a man in private life, who is incontinent and dissolute in regard to his pleasures. It's saying this, if there's a dude out there who has a, likes to have a lot of sex, that's what they're saying, okay? That's what the idea of incontinent means. Commit some peccadillo, that is some sort of small moral infraction, with a paramour or a maidservant, meaning a prostitute or a woman in, of the house. And here's what else. His wedded wife ought not to be indignant or angry. In other words, she shouldn't be upset. But she should reason that it is a respect to her which leads him to share his debauchery, licentiousness, and wantonness with another woman. In other words, be thankful that your husband gets out all of his debauchery, wantonness, and licentiousness with other women. Why do I share this with you? Because the New Testament gives us a radically different picture of the value and the worth of women. And why does it do that? Because the Old Testament does. Listen, tonight we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about the character and the nature and the value and dignity of what it means to be a woman. Now, a couple other caveats need to be said. Things really haven't changed that much this day. If you would have asked folks, my good friend Les Newsom, who is a former campus minister at Ole Miss... He tells the story of an author, her name is Arielle Levy, and she writes a book uh, sort of on male chauvinism, and she says this, she says that you would think that over the course of time that there would have sort of been a revolt, and I mean something more than what you saw in like women's suffrage movement, more than you see in sort of feminism and neo-feminism movements, I'm talking about more of a deeper moral revolt at uh, the sort of treatment of women that happens throughout the world, and especially in our, in our country. Listen to what she writes. She says that, eight, that, that 75% of the execs, including the CEO at Playboy, are all females. Now you would think in that moment that there would be a disconnect here about the way that women are treated in our culture. And so I want to actually suggest to you tonight that the Bible holds forth a picture, a wonderful, beautiful picture, right here in this text, of the real beauty, strength, and sacrifice that all come together in this amazing and profound and attractive picture of what the Bible kind of holds forth as, uh, as godliness in its feminine form. Now, I've already mentioned that it can't be, I cannot be comprehensive tonight. And I also want to say this. Uh, I've never trembled more in my boots uh, on a topic for the obvious reason. I'm not a female. Uh, and so... Uh, You know, it's sort of like, well, what do I know what I'm talking about? Well, we do have the scriptures here in front of us, and they have been clear, and so we want to take a look at them. Moreover, um, I am married uh, to a woman, and um, I do have two daughters, and so I speak as a husband and as a dad, and I also get the the real high privilege of being a campus minister to a lot of female students, and I have walked with a lot of y'all through a lot of crap and a lot of pain. And uh, whether you like it or not, I sort of see you as my surrogate daughters because I really want to see you flourish. And so I speak as somebody with a heart that's really engaged in, uh, in promoting the real good, true, and beautiful in the Bible. Remember, we said this last night, I mean last week, that when the Bible speaks about the differences between the genders, it says relatively little. And in fact, the similarities far outweigh when the Scripture speaks about the genders than where they are different. So we have to keep that in mind. And moreover, the Bible, when it does speak about the genders, when they speak about the differences, there may be differences in being, meaning male and female, and there are actually differences in the way the Bible talks about the way that we live out relationally between the genders. We find that in other parts of the Bible. That's not a sermon for tonight. We can look at that some other time. But when the bible speaks about the value and the dignity of the genders both are treated equally male is not worth more in the eyes of god than female and female is not worth more in the eyes of god than female they're both created with equal dignity in fact we saw last week from genesis chapter 1 that the bible is very clear that both genders are needed to represent or to image god in the world and so i want to nail that down tonight we also said this last week for the ladies. There was a lot that could be said about the men that applied to women last week. And I want to suggest tonight there's a lot that can be said about men tonight even though we're looking primarily at women. I could go on and on and on and on about giving you different caveats. Yes, everything I'm going to say tonight, you could probably give me an exception to something and I grant that. I'm talking about general sweeping principles tonight. So let's take a look uh, tonight at what the Bible has to say. This uh, image here in Proverbs chapter 31 we need to put to rest very very quickly that this is a to-do list okay so see some of you ladies who are very familiar with this text you come to it and you read it and you go oh I need to check those things off in my box and I actually want to say that don't do that that's not the way it's intended to be read the 31st chapter of Proverbs is actually an ideal picture because as soon as you read this you go there's no woman like this in the entire world. Who can possibly be like that? And that's what you're meant to actually read it like, okay? You're supposed to read it and go, this is more a picture, an arc, uh, 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 an archetype, so to speak, of something that, I'm, that, that, I'm, that is modeled, that is to be modeled, but it can't be, it's not a checklist that sort of says, if I get this, then God will finally love me. And moreover, if I finally am this way, then there'll finally be some boy that loves me and I'll get married. Okay? That's not what this text is talking about. So we've got to put that to rest from the very beginning. But what does it say? Well, I think that it speaks to the character, the real character of a a woman who has been um, radically rescued by the grace of Jesus. And so tonight, I want to show you a couple of different things from it. First of all, this idea that real and true worth, that real and true worth comes From the outside in. I'm going to explain that. Hang on. Secondly, that real and true beauty comes from the inside out. And that real mission, a real purpose for your life is always upside down. So here we go. Worth comes from the outside in. Beauty comes from the inside out. And purpose and mission are always upside down. That's what we're going to look at. Let's take a look at this tonight. This idea that worth comes from the outside in. So, what do I mean by this? Here's what I want to start with in saying this. That we saw back last week, that in the book of Genesis chapter 1, that we saw that, that, that God has given worth and dignity to both genders, so tonight, female, because of you guys being image bearers, not from what you do, not from what you look like, not from what people think about you, that your worth, your dignity comes from being an actual image bearer of God. And while this text in itself is never explicit about that, the text assumes it. It's in the background. You can't not read it that way. That's the way it wants to be read. Now, why would this be so important? this woman of noble character that's put on display here in chapter 10 and on, is really um, a question about who she is, that that has already been answered by God Himself. That this woman herself has been um, already been made much of in the eyes of God. She is delighted in by Him. And it is there and there alone that her worth comes about. So when I say that worth comes from the outside in, I mean, ladies, listen, that your worth, your value, is not something that you are called to drum up and to try to create. It won't last if you do that. You must begin to see that your, real, your dignity as a woman comes because you are made in the image of God and because God Himself looks at you and he delights. His heart leaps, in other words. That is the way the Bible talks about you as women. Now, why would this be so, so important? Well, let's go in a little bit. We often think that, um, well, it's, we talked last week about men being incredibly insecure. Do you remember that? Well, fellas, I got news for you tonight. Every single woman in this room is insecure. Just like you are. What's interesting though about the way that women go and deal with their insecurity is they tend to, in general, not look to their performance to try to answer that question about their worth and their value. More times than not, this is seen in trying to make, to get worth and value out of a sense of relationship. You're saying, what are you talking about? Here's what I mean. More times than not... When a female, what this is teaching us is that when a female feels insecure, she will go to her interpersonal relationships to to try to have the question of her worth answered. Why is that so important? Listen, ladies, do you often feel the deep need to define yourselves by whether or not you are actually in a relationship? You see, do you often say, well, I don't have a boyfriend right now, so I'm really not anybody. You see, or moreover, in turn, this drives us as ladies to seek out means of securing those relationships so that the question of their worth might be answered. Ladies, have you ever considered what not knowing, not believing the answer to the question of your worth might drive you to do? Have you ever thought about that? In other words, hang with me on this. Do you realize that most of what The problems that come about in your life interpersonally with guys and with your friends comes about because you have failed to see what God Himself really thinks of you. You say, how does that work? Well, let's look at this. You will look a billion places, always turning up empty, until you see that your worth must come from the outside in, outside of your person. It has to be given by God Himself. You can maybe think of it like this. Why do you ladies, why do you wear the clothes, for example, that, uh, that, that, that might as well be painted on when you go out? Because deep down, deep down, you think that if I can just get some boy to look at me, my life will have meaning and value. Why do you think that a size two isn't good enough? Why isn't it? Why does it have to be a zero or a double zero or dead before you finally think that you might be worth something? It's because you believe deep down that your worth and dignity as a person comes because of some affections of some young boy. I love to think about it like this. One pastor put it great. He said, You realize until you begin to see the fact that God loves you in the person and work of Jesus, until, ladies, you begin to see that, Jesus is always going to lose to some pimply-faced college student. That, That for some reason, the affections of the bros in this room are somehow better than the love that God gives you. Now, that sounds silly when I put it like that, but that's what's going on on Friday nights. And what this text is showing you is Will you begin to believe, would you dare to believe that your heavenly Father looks at you and bestows a worth and a value and a dignity that is unlike anything you could ever imagine? Profound implications on this. Let's keep moving though. I want to suggest to you tonight that um, it is not merely enough for you as ladies to begin to think about having the affections of some guy, that you want to begin to think as a point of application that it's not just good enough to be, uh, well, to, to be the prettiest, to be pretty in the room. But it's actually, you've got to be the prettiest. Listen to what C.S. Lewis writes when he writes this. He's talking about pride and see if this fits for any of you. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. It is the comparison that makes you proud. The pleasure of being above the rest. And once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone. What is he saying? I talked to my wife on this. Yes, I'm throwing her under the bus because she's not here tonight. She would be happy to have me be having me sharing sharing this about her. She would say in college that it wasn't just good enough for her to look good in a dress when she went out to some party. What does she really want? Some of you all already know. It was to not only be pretty in the room, but to look around at not, fellas, not what you were looking at, but to know what the other ladies were looking at. To look in the room and say, oh, I'm the best looking girl in here. And that is what Lewis is getting at. And that will always be the case until you have the question of your real worth and dignity answered. It comes to you in the Scriptures. God Himself is smitten with you. He is crazy about you. Crazy about you. That's what the Scriptures are saying. Secondly, let's keep moving. Not only does this idea of our worth come from the outside in, but secondly, this idea that true beauty, true beauty always comes from the inside out. Let's turn our eyes to the text. Do you see there in verse 10 where the writer says, an excellent wife, who can be found? Literally in the Hebrew that says, if you've ever read some of Rachel Held Evans' stuff, she writes this. That literally it gets translated, a woman of valor. It's the idea of strength and nobility. And that is an inner quality. Moreover, if you look at the end of the text, do you see there in verse 30 where it says this, that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. What is this saying? This is saying that true beauty is not rooted in charm. But true beauty, ladies, is rooted in your character. That it is an inside quality that defines your life. It defines the true beauty in your life. That is what is being said right here when this when he says this. Um, I, and I want to suggest to you all tonight that this is a question... Every single girl is asking or has asked at some point in your life, it is this, am I beautiful? Am I beautiful? You know what my little two-year-olds do? They're two. They walk up to me, and they walk up to each other, and they say, oh, you're so beautiful, Audrey. (laughs) They look at me, and you know what they say to me? Daddy, you're so beautiful. (laughs) Why? It's almost, I mean, I didn't teach them that. I mean, I guess I tell them that they're beautiful. But it's almost like there, there's this, there is this native question in the heart of every woman that longs to have, longs to be answered. It namely is, am I beautiful? And if so, where does that come from? And the Scriptures say is, is it's not in your body shape. It's not in your waist size. It's not in your breast size. It's not how much makeup you put on but it comes from the inside out. That's what the Scriptures are saying. And I believe that every single lady that's ever walked the face of the earth is asking that question because it's how you were made. Listen to what... um, I'm going to show you a quote and it's really, really awesome. How many of y'all have watched the news lately and you remember that it came across the wire um, maybe ten days, two weeks ago? Uh, The the actress Jennifer Lawrence, her iCloud account was hacked by somebody and she had sent nude photos of herself to somebody, to, an, to a boyfriend of hers. Those photos were taken and made public, and she was just interviewed in an article by Vanity Fair and asked to comment about it. She says, You know what? That's actually a sex crime. And she actually might be right on that, but I think what's interesting in this article, uh, uh, talking about um, talking about this violation of her privacy. She's very honest and open, the actress Jennifer Lawrence is. And listen to what she says, listen to what she says in this quote. It's pretty profound. She writes, I was in a loving, healthy, great relationship for four years. It was long distance. Listen, and either your boyfriend is going to look at porn or he's going to look at you. what sort of world have we created that this is the case? Like, like fellas, hang with me on for here for a second. Is this what we've created? Is this the sort of crud and crap that's out there? That this is the sort of stuff that we draw out, that we can draw out from women? And moreover, ladies, hear me out on this. You're worth, like, you and Jennifer Lawrence are worth way more than that stuff. Way, way more. You see, she's got the question. Am I beautiful? And my beauty will be by something from the outside in. I'll I'll show in my body, and then the, the question will be answered. You see, why do I share this with you? I want you to begin to wonder and ask for the first time, perhaps, wherein lies your beauty? And what defines it? Moreover, I want you to understand that it's your character tonight that God is saying that that is the locus for true beauty. So what does that mean for you? Ladies, hang with me on this. A very quick point of application. I don't know how much time you spend getting ready. I don't know how much time you spend on hair and makeup. I don't know how much time you spend in the wreck. But how much time do you spend on actually developing and paying attention To character. To real character that the Bible is laying out here. This is a a great question for you to ask. Ready? Here we go. Do you have, and what are they, any standards by which you might begin to adjudicate your life, to judge and say, eh, that might be too far. That my worth and my value and my dignity might cause me to refrain from carrying out life in a certain way. That is, by the way, the definition of character. There's an outflow of that. I just want to ask you that tonight. Look, y'all, we're going to talk about dating and marriage and sex later on in the semester. I am not trying to be prudish. I'm not. The Bible talks about sexuality in ways that will make the college campus blush and that makes every fraternity house blush look like child's play. That's what happens in the text later on. I'm ser- it's amazing. So I'm not trying to be prudish here. I'm trying to say, where are those standards? Where are they for you? And listen to me, ladies. If you've blown standards and you're looking for hope again tonight, there's hope in Jesus. There's always renewal. There's always grace. That's the wonderful message of the Gospel. So I don't know how many of you have blown it somewhere in your life, whether that be sexually, relationally, or you're just a bear to deal with. There is hope for you tonight. There is hope for you. I want you guys to begin to see that tonight. Fellas, can we help our ladies out and cut the crap that, that you saw up here? Can we, can we, this is why it's so important that we, that we embody what we talked about last week. How do we promote, how do we help foster and bring about real biblical beauty and dignity in the lives of the women that are in our worlds? Anyways, we've got to keep moving. Lastly, mission is upside down. I just want to highlight this ever so quickly before we kind of land the plane tonight. I want you to see that the Bible tells every single woman that she has a profound and a wonderful task here in the world. That ladies weren't meant to just be pregnant, barefoot, and in the kitchen, okay? That's just not the biblical vision of what it means to be a woman. And if you think I'm crazy, look in the Bible right here in in these texts. Look what's going on. Do you see that she is... um, Look at verse 12. She She cares magically for her husband and her family. Verse 12 there. Verse 13, her family. Verse 21, her family as well. Also, she is caring for her household employees in verse 15. In verse 20, she is somebody who is deeply concerned with the poor. Moreover, she's an excellent businesswoman. Do you see in verse 16 there, she says this, that she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. Why? For income. Moreover, do you see that that in verse 19 there, she's saying she puts her hand to the dye staff, or the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She works her butt off for the good of her family and for the good of her community. Ladies, do you see that that is the vision that the Scriptures have laid out for you in this world? That you were not meant to just sort of sit idly by, twiddling your thumbs, waiting for some boy to come ask you out. That's not the vision of what it means to be Created in God's image and to be given a task. You were created for the wonderful, amazing mission of bringing goodness, truth, and beauty to your relationships and the world around you. How many of you guys remember? Okay, sorry, I know it's a little weird, but the always commercial ad, the hashtag like a girl campaign. Has anybody seen that? Oh man, it's awesome. You gotta go watch the video, it's got like 50 million hits on this thing. Let me tell you what happens. Um, there's these little girls that are like 10 to 12 and they're on camera and the producer, the director is asking them hey, will you show me what it looks like to throw, throw, a, throw a ball like a girl and they rear back and they zing it hard hey, show me what it looks like to, uh, to uh, run like a girl this little 12 year old girl goes off into a sprint just going crazy show me what it looks like to hit like a girl and these little girls get down they just wail away like they're Muhammad Ali Then they get adults in there, both men and women, and they ask the same question. Hey, show me what it looks like to run like a girl. Show me what it looks like to hit like a girl. Show me what it looks like to throw a ball like a girl. And you can just imagine what gets portrayed. And what's really interesting is, as they begin in this campaign to begin to say, look, what if like a girl wasn't used as a pejorative term anymore? What if like a girl was actually a picture of real nobility and strength? And that's where that ad is saying what this text is saying. That you ladies were created with an incredible, incredible strength and dignity. And you were meant to use that courage, that strength, that beauty, and that dignity for the blessing of the world. That's what you were created for and nothing less. That's the biblical vision of what it looks like be a woman now here listen to me there is no way that anybody can do this on their own <laughs> if you're a woman and you're in here and you're going tonight well i can't do that you're right you can't do it without by yourself and you're going to need to see that there is somebody that enables and comes to us and says this listen to me that if you lose your life from my sake you will actually gain it in other words, it is by living out of a posture of Christ likeness that real and true womanhood is to be found in all of its forms. And you're going, wait a second, Christ was a guy. How in the world can I be? That's not what I'm. You've got to look beyond that, okay? I'm trying to say that real womanhood is just like real manhood in that it looks to Jesus. But He's the model of that true dignity, that true beauty, that true strength, that true courage. That's where it lies. And so my hope for you all tonight is that you will begin to see that when you take last week and you take this week together, and you begin to put that, those sort of people together, you have the possibility of an amazing setup for real, a, a fantastic marriage, fantastic relationships, and fantastic friendships. We're going to continue to talk more about this later on through the semester. So I hope you'll come back. Will you pray with me?